As we turn to God's word this morning, I want us to return to that passage which we read together from um, Acts chapter 26 and to consider uh, Paul's experience of the Lord Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road and the implications of that in his life and also for our own lives. I'm conscious of the fact this morning that we gather on the last Sunday of January 2023. Now, um, the beginning of January, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, may seem a long time ago, but um, I wonder, did you make any New Year's resolutions? Did you make any fresh commitments? Did you join the gym? Did you start jogging? Um, And we all start with these good intentions, don't we? Uh, And yet, sadly, um, by the end of January, we think, oh, what about that? And I personally, I don't know if it was January or a bit before that, um, I made sure that I got hold of the card which allows me to swim for free in the the Medway um, council area. Do you know how many times I've used it? (laughs) Um, We have big promises, don't we? We have clear intentions. We want to do the right thing. But, but, now we can jest about um, gym memberships and New Year's resolutions. But the facts are that the process of life, the pressures of life that cause us to forget our general resolutions can also have their effect on our Christian walk and our Christian experience. We live in a culture Um, And I use the term culture rather than country because it's not simply our own country. I believe it's the Western world. We live in a culture that has lost its moorings. And um, the the, the term there uh, is a picture, isn't it, from uh, using boats. Now, I'm not a sailor. Um, I suffer um, quite badly with motion sickness, so getting on a boat is not the best thing for me. But... A boat that um, is moored properly can rise and fall on the rising tide or on the falling tide. But a boat that is wrongly moored or wrongly tied will have problems. So if you've got a boat that is so rigidly tied that um, it cannot rise with the tide... One, it could get left in the air as the tide drops. Or two, it could be kept um, down on the mud or the sand so that as the tide comes in, it is overwhelmed. And um, so you've got to be careful about tying it too rigidly. But a boat that is moored too lightly where the knots are not um, strong enough um, to allow movement, and but also to restrain the boat, 
a boat like that can just float away on the tide. Now those are illustrations of our approach to life. We can be so rigid that we are of no help to ourselves and we are no help to our culture. Or we can be so slack and flexible that, as Paul says, we're tossed around with every wind that uh, affects us. So, what's that got to do with what we read this morning? Well, Acts chapter 26 is the third record that we have of Paul's conversion. Initially, we have it in Acts chapter 9, where it happened, and then in chapter 22, there is another record of where Paul gives his testimony, and here in Acts chapter 26, Paul again is giving his testimony. I want us to look in particular at verses 16 to 18. Let me read them again to you. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, um, in verses 16 and 17, we have God's immediate word to Paul, Saul of Tarsus, um, as he is being converted. And if you like, he is given his marching orders. God says to him, you've been an enemy of Christianity, but now I am going to make you a servant of Christianity. I am going to make you the means of my message, not only going to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. My message going to the whole world. And then in verse 18, and this is where I really want to focus in on this morning, Paul is told what his message is to be. Now it's in embryo, it's not developed fully, but we have three essentials um, of Christianity and the Christian message in this one verse. And this is what I want us to look at this morning. And I want to ask you, as an individual, and ask you as a church, to consider, have I got the right understanding of Christianity? Is the faith that I have rooted in the truths of this verse? Am I truly a Christian? So that's the question that I want you to ask as an individual. But I want to ask you as a church, to what extent are you being thrown around by the pressures of the world in which we live? Before coming into the service this morning, I was talking with uh, the brothers who gathered for prayer, and um, I pointed out the fact that when I went to Papua New Guinea, 
I had been a pastor of a church. Now, when I came back to this country um, and worked initially in mission, but then was called to another pastorate, I realized that I was no longer simply the pastor of a church, but I was the chairman of a charity because of the way the law had changed in this country. Now, I struggled with that, and there were times and I felt as though it was more important for me to be um, the chairman of a charity than it was for me to be a preacher of the gospel. <coughs> and as a church, we had to work this out, and we had to work out our priorities. And this morning, I want you to try to examine your own life and to ask the question, what is it that is threatening my understanding of the gospel what is it that might be drawing me away from the lord jesus christ what is it that um, is changing my understanding of christian truth now in this verse there are three verbs three doing words two of them are promises one of them is a demand the first verb is at the beginning there to open their eyes and that is a promise the second verb is to and to turn them from darkness to light now in a way that could be interpreted as a promise and it is to some extent but it is something that we have to do so it is a command and then thirdly uh, we have the word there halfway through the verse that they may receive uh, they may um, take to themselves uh, they may accept the gift that is being given they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me so let's examine our understanding of the Christian message the Christian gospel this morning using these um, three verbs and the experiences uh, related to them. If we are a Christian this morning, we have corrected vision. We have corrected vision because the Lord comes to us and, opening, uh, and opens our eyes. Now looking around this morning, uh, a number of us uh, are suffering the effect of age whether we like it or not we have got these hanging on our nose in order that we might correct our vision it's a fact of life as we get older um, our sight changes either it becomes longer or shorter and we need the assistance of glasses to help us have uh, sufficient vision uh, someone i know um, was telling uh, Lynn and I recently that um, she had been uh, trying to read a book one evening and um, her husband came alongside her and put his glasses uh, beside her on the settee she said eventually I picked them up and I realized yeah they do help now we don't like to admit the fact when, when I got to the point where I needed to wear glasses, I was complaining that they don't print books like they used to. <laughs> 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 I 
And it wasn't the book that was at fault. It was me. My vision, my understanding was not what it should be. Friends, we need our eyes opened. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ said that um, when he went back to heaven, he would send the Spirit who would convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. And whenever God is truly at work, we begin to see ourselves, and this is important, we begin to see ourselves differently. The Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in his ministry, said that he had not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now this morning, friends, if you want the blessing, if you want the peace of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Christian gospel, you have to see yourself as Christ sees you. And Christ sees all of us as sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Oh, but Bernard, I've done this and I've done that. Let me remind you that if that is your argument, if that is your uh, approach to life, that there you are being guilty of pride. And pride is an <coughs> offence in the sight of a holy God. Think of the Apostle Peter. Uh, right at the beginning of his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he was an accomplished fisherman. And they had worked and they hadn't been able to uh, catch any fish and the Lord Jesus Christ told them to push out into the depths and um, to let down the nets. And Peter said, but what's the point, Lord? He said, just do it. And they drew in a great catch of fish. What effect did that have on Peter? And I'm not here talking about the end of the uh, life of the Lord Jesus Christ, but at the beginning of his ministry, Peter fell at his feet and he said to me I said to him depart from me Lord for I am a sinful man and friends the beginning of the Christian life reminds us that we are sinners and perhaps for the first time we come to that place where we realize that we have failed and we have fallen short of the glory of God. Now that's not a popular message. But it is a message that God has taught throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, and throughout the whole of church history. At the point when um, the Old Testament history was coming to a completion, we read this in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 36 and the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place but they mocked the messengers of God despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Friends, that's a description of 
God's Old Testament people. But it could be a description of 21st century Britain today. As people mock the messengers of God. As they um, despise the principles that God has laid down. As they scoff at preachers. God says, I will send my wrath. Friends, if you are a Christian this morning, then you've got your eyes opened. You understand who you are. And this morning, if you are arguing and saying, but Bernard, uh, I'm good enough and um, the Lord um, will accept me for what I am. And friends, you have not understood the Christian message because this is the first step to understand who we really are. Growing up in Pembrokeshire, they used to say, there's none so blind as them as won't see. And that is the truth. That if we don't want to see ourselves as God sees us, then we will not become Christians. But God's first gift in the gospel is to open our eyes. So, corrected vision. Secondly, in this verse, I want us to see adjusted direction. And here we are told that Paul was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And um, we have this picture of turning. Now, as I said, this is not so much something that is done to them, but something um, that they have to cooperate in, that we as Christians have to cooperate in. Now, I do believe it is something that is done to us. Um, the, the Lord does help us to turn and to change direction. But the essence of the Christian message is that there has to be a turning. John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Lord Jesus Christ preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit had been poured out in such power, he preached, <laughs> repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is repentance? It is a changing of mind. It is a changing of the heart. It is a changing of who we are essentially. In the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel says, I will take away the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Why? So that you might turn, so that you might see yourselves differently. The Apostle Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And friends, that is the reality of Christian experience. It's saying, I have been traveling in this direction, but now I am traveling in this direction. I want to walk with God. How does this happen? It only happens when God is at work in our lives. The Lord Jesus Christ said um, that if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven, then we must 
be born again. We must be born from above. Paul was to preach and he was to say to the Jews who had a glorious history of God's experience in leading them. He was to preach to Gentiles who were described as dogs that they were to turn, that they were to repent, that they were indeed to draw near to God. And we're given examples here of how they should turn. To turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And um, in, in effect, these are the outworkings of uh, repentance. Uh, here Paul talks about turning to and turning from. When he writes to the Ephesians, he talks about uh, taking off and putting on. Um, as a teenager, I used to work on a farm. And um, my first job virtually every Saturday morning was to go and to clean out the pigs. So you can imagine, by the time I got home, um, I wasn't the most pleasant person to be in the company of. My sister um, was the district nurse, and she would come home for lunch, and she would say, I'm not sitting at the same table as him. I'd taken my boots off. I'd washed my hands, but the stench was still there in my clothes. Friends, we have to take off and we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this verse, there are two applications of this turning. There is a metaphor, um, a word picture, and there is a statement of facts. Now I wonder how you would decide which is um, the statement of fact and which is the metaphor. Well, in fact, um, the metaphor is the first one, to turn from darkness to light. And um, we have to come to that position where we realize that we're walking in the dark, where we are not sure where we are going. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. And in the Old Testament, uh, we are told that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. When we turn, we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. We turn to his word. We are directed not by our own feelings, not by our own tradition, not by our culture, but by the truth of God's word. And friends, there are times when God's word is contrary to man's ideas. What must be the deciding factor? God's word. There's no option, there's no discussion. And we are, as Christians, to have the word of God central in our lives because it speaks to us of God's purposes. That is the metaphor. That is the word picture. We are to turn from the darkness of our own understanding to the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the fact is the second um, statement here that um, 
we are turned to turn from the power of Satan to God. You might say to me, that's an offence, Bernard. Uh, how can you say that I have got to turn from the power of Satan to God? Friends, we don't like it. But in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they, in effect, yielded the direction of their lives from God himself to the deceiver, to the liar, to Satan. And the facts are that Satan is the director of this world. Now, I use that term director. I don't say that he is sovereign because God is sovereign. He has not uh, abdicated his power. He has not been defeated. But throughout history, Satan has um, perverted the thinking of humanity. And what Paul is saying here, uh, or what Jesus is saying to Paul is that the Christian, he has had his eyes open, she has had her eyes open. They have turned from darkness to light and they have turned from the power of Satan to the power of God. And this morning I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, that you are kept by the power of God. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion none can snatch us out of his hands we thank god that the gospel christian experience restores repairs the damage that was done in the garden of eden and gives us peace with god so the christian message demands corrected vision it demands an adjusted direction and thirdly it provides a new position. The second promise of this verse, and in fact there are two parts to this promise, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. What a glorious truth. We can receive, but what's it going to cost me? No, it is a gift. Uh, but what must I pay? Nothing. Somebody else has provided it for you. You do not need to do anything. And this morning, as I ask you to consider afresh your Christian experience and the message that you preach as a church, I plead with you, are you doing this? Are you telling the worst of sinners that there is forgiveness with God that there is peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ Saul of Tarsus is being told even though you have persecuted me and persecuted my church even though you have um, witnessed and assented to the death of Christians I am prepared to forgive all of that because of what Christ has done for you. Friends, all of us are sinners and therefore all of us have offended a holy God. 
But we can say to the worst of sinners that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now the fact that I mention your sin this morning, Satan might come to you and say, he can't forgive that. You don't expect him to show mercy in that, do you? The message of God's word says that when Christ went to the cross, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Now let me remind you of the justice of God and to work this through the Lord Jesus Christ came to give his life a ransom for many so God says I'm giving you this group of people you are to pay the price of their sin so the Lord Jesus Christ goes to the cross and he is taking responsibility for the sins of each and every one of his people throughout history. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's wrestled with God. Is there some other way? No, there is no other way. So Jesus goes to the cross carrying our sin. And as he hangs on the cross... Darkness comes over the face of the earth and God cannot look upon his son as he punishes him for the sins of all his people. It was an incredible work. Now I want to ask you this morning, friends, if Jesus took your sins and God poured out his wrath, his judgment on the Lord Jesus Christ, can he judge you again? Can he? No. No. That is the glory of the Christian message. There is forgiveness with God that you may be feared. The justice of God says Christ has paid the price. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Nothing, Paul says. Neither things present nor things to come. Do you believe that? Do you preach that? Can you accept the sinner who stumbles through the door in your next service and seems to be an abomination to you? Can you say to that person, no matter what you're guilty of, Christ is able and willing to save you. But friends, in effect, that is the door to the Christian message. Forgiveness. The next thing that we receive is here in the latter part of the verse, and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. When you become a Christian, you're beginning the path. You'll never be lost. You'll never be taken out of God's kingdom. But, in effect, when you become a Christian, God says to you, Do you want to change? 
Are you willing to change? Because the Christian life is in fact a growth in grace. It is a growth in holiness. As Christians, we are different. Now I'm not saying that we're Pharisees and we stand up and say, I'm better than you. But we are different because we have been taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. We have had our sins placed upon him. We accept that we are sinners who need his grace. And some of you are like me, a bit long in the tooth, a bit light on the head. Um, and if you're anything like me, you will look at your life some days and think I have been a Christian for so long why am I still struggling with these sins but be encouraged because 20 years ago you may not have recognized that sin in your life it's the process of sanctification the Lord is saying to you I want to deal with that I want to lead you on to prepare you more for heaven but there's one last thing that I want to say in this message this morning. How is this possible? And the answer is there at the end of the verse. By faith in me. It is a glorious message. It is an eternal message. It is a life-changing message. But it is only possible by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning, children, have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you need to. Mums and dads bringing up children in a horribly changing world, are you trusting Him to help you through this? Grandparents, my peers, older people, are you relying on what you were taught as a child the traditional Christianity of this country or are you trusting him alone because he alone is the way of salvation I plead with you understand the simplicity of this this morning and come in faith and ask Christ to be merciful to you and ask the Holy Spirit to work within you day by day so that you might, as I was saying to the children, lay up treasure in heaven and be prepared to meet your maker whenever he calls. So, going back to my initial thought with New Year's resolutions <coughs> and things that pressurize us to stop. Where is your faith as an individual this morning? Is it in Christ alone? Where is your message as a church? Is it pointing the worst of sinners to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, come with us because he has saved us and he is keeping us and we want you to enjoy that 